you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Hello, and welcome to our kind of pod. Vote. That's all you have to say to start this uh, this episode. Um, but Satan, good to see you. It's the, the the purple effect isn't isn't all the way there, but you are hand on the hip, awful proud of your standing desk. Yeah, it's good to see you, and it's it's funny that you say you phrase it that way because this is obviously a new um, medium, so to speak. Actually, seeing you visually over Zoom, which is only the second time. What was that? Way worse, isn't it? Oh yeah, and what's strange about it is you have the UW. The Husky Stadium virtual background, yet your mic is in front of your face. So mm-hmm. it just has this weird black like blob in front of your face coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, might try, I might try the black blob as a Halloween costume this year. I think, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice effect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into this. And I, I think you're the perfect person to ask this question to. And it's something that I had thought of uh, for about <clears throat> four minutes this morning and uh, think it's a really interesting thought starter. So, you know how the Big Ten is actually 14 teams? Yeah. And the sense. Big 12, the Big 12 is actually 10 teams. Yeah. What if the Pac-12 is doing it wrong by being honest about the number of teams it has. I've never thought about this, but you might be onto something. Just it's go back like, to being the Pac-10. But do we do we go back to the being the Pac-10, but we keep the 12 teams? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, you have to lie about how many teams you have. Yeah. Is this our is this our mode of entry into like the the cool kids table? Because we've obviously been shunned from that in yep. recent years. Yeah, this is a this is a PR play. Uh, people love lying. Um, you know, we've we've seen that over the last you know f- a few years that lying is lying is back in vogue. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a certain mystery about it. You know, how many teams do they have? I know it says ten, but I know it's not that number. Um, the SEC and ACC do it right because you know the 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 team number is not attached to it. Um, yep. So I think you either disassociate, so you either become the pack or the pack ten. Or the pack eight, or like the pack six, but keep twelve definitely. Just do not be correct about how many teams you have. I, th- you know, this is the kind of out of the box thinking that I think the conference needs. And Larry Scott's uh, contract is up next year, I believe. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not necessarily implying anything. I'm just stating two completely unrelated facts. You know, these are recorded meetings. We can uh, send these to the league office and and you know just see what they think, and and not necessarily throw our names in the hat, but. Uh, like you said, just throw the ideas in the hat and say, you know what, sure. you want more of these, um, you know, come at us. But I, I'm kind of serious. Like the Pac-10 had a totally different connotation in terms of basketball. Like Pac-10 basketball was way better. Uh, Pac-10 football, better logo. The the shield doesn't really work. Yeah. Yep. Agreed uh, on the logo. So I, I think it's time. Let's start lying again. Or you could just go back to the PCC days, and I'm not talking about the uh, the grocery store, but I'm talking about the Pacific Coast Conference. Although geographically speaking, would it make as much sense because not everybody's on the coast? But if we really wanted to get back to our roots, that would be my vote. Never stepped step foot in a PC in my whole PCC in my whole life. It just hasn't happened. 
That I mean, honestly, you're not missing out. There's just a, you're looking for Doritos and you're never going to find it. So mm-hmm. in my, yeah. in my eyes, yeah, no. Yeah. Quality food centers are, are dangerous way or the way to go. Um, no. Well, that was one really thought provoking question. And now we will just, you know, uh, cannonball into another one. Um, much like the Mariners did with their uh, very successful seat fleet. Uh, the Huskies have done, is it the fan fleet? Is it that unoriginal? I have no idea. I just heard about this yesterday. Yeah. Uh, They have done basically the same thing where you can input cardboard cutouts or or pictures of yourself and put them in as, as cardboard cutouts. Um, You and I are going to split one. We have to decide uh, who it's going to be. And it is not, well, it, it, it could be us. There was a really nice picture of us together at the USC game last year that we could, we could make work. Um, somehow mesh it into one is that what we're saying here face mash type thing okay Uh, or we could do what we do best and find the perfect person to be on this cutout uh you and i've had some conversations about this i think tyrone willingham is a fantastic candidate there is a zero percent chance they let us put a tyrone willingham cut out actually there's a zero percent chance tyrone willingham lets us put a tyrone willingham cut out uh, at (laughs) yeah he yeah, no, no fun, no fun no, time, no of, fun, type of guy. Can't laugh at himself. Um, so we got to get more original than that. So I what, am curious who you think should be our delegate. What's challenging about this is because it's for the Huskies, you almost don't want to troll it a whole lot. It's true. Um, but you also want to bring some humor to it. That's a kind of a fine line to walk. Like it's if this was like Oregon or something, and we were um talking about putting something into their stadium um then you know everything's you know everything's on the table type of situation yeah this, but, is, this um, is not a covert operation we're trying to, to blow it up from the inside we're just trying to have a little fun yeah so i was thinking um although they someone might already do this but i was thinking maybe uh our our dear friend bob rondo would be um, wow. in a more like a more respectful decision than you'd expect from you and I, we mm-hmm. would go with, with Bob Rondo. Uh, you could also go with just the most obscure, fo- uh, Husky football player that we could think of. Um, yes. that's an option. And I'm sure we could speak at length for, uh, for way too long on, on that topic. That's the podcast um, actually an hour, of, <laughs> an hour of uh, random Husky talk. <laughs> So I don't know if you, do you have any other ideas? I, I'm all ears. Yeah. The, the Rondo example is far, far too highbrow for us. We, we are, okay. we are we yeah, are that's not, fair. not that good. And someone else will do that. Um, my thought was much the same way. Let's pick a very, very random, not very good Husky. Trooper Johnson was one that you had thrown out in text mm-hmm. earlier. I think that's phenomenal. Um, Newport my, High School represent. My one, because I don't think people in the current administration would even remember really who this guy is or, or how damaging he was. Uh, Nick Holt is my, is my thought. The ball, the bald bull himself. I love it. That's, that's a great one. And you know, his defenses were horrendous under Sark. That Mm -hmm. was the, uh, that was, that was when we, when every corner stood about 10 yards off the wide receiver and just gave them a first down because that was apparently mitigating the, you know, the losses, I'm um, at that point in time. So yeah, Nick, Nick Holtz, I'm all for that. Nick Holt's final game, like his full on, everyone knew he was gone. It was that uh, 2011. Yeah. My freshman year 
uh, defense that just could not stop anybody. This is the the one that uh, freshman Cooper Cup destroyed, um, and Vernon Adams uh, that that same year. That defense going out the way it did in the Alamo Bowl uh, was phenomenal. Sixty three fifty six, I think, like six hundred or seven hundred total yards from Baylor uh, in a game where it's just like everyone knows you're about to get fired. Uh, leaning all the way in and just making it uh, a true swan song was uh, really the best thing Nick Holt ever did was turning his turning his exit into a grand spectacle. I'm looking up where Nick Holt is right now. He's employed. He is employed. He got fired from Purdue um, in December. But as of 10 days ago, uh, (laughs) he has a new head coaching job. No. Um, You will never guess this. He is now the head coach for, and I apologize to this town or city uh, if I mispronounce it, but he is now the head coach for the Varese Scorpions (laughs) who play in the Italian second division of football he is now coaching head coaching in italy um and the scorpions by the way i just need to make this clear it's scorpions with a k so s-k-o-r-p-i-o-n-s which i don't know what that means but it's cool so i'm 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 here for it oh you're not kidding at all the, the scorpions went seven and three last year that's they made a bowl if that if that's how that works in italy i don't know I don't know how that works, but he is now coaching in Italy. This he, is he's quoted in this article. Uh, this is the American Football International.com. Uh, it's in English. He says, I am extremely excited about this opportunity. I'm looking forward to helping not only coach the team, but also to help develop the players. And of course, together with Julie, my wife of 30 years, I'm excited to be able to experience Italy from a totally different perspective. Beautiful. I, this, this couldn't, I did not know this. I didn't do any nickel myself, um, but we have an answer and it's going to be very easy. They'll let us do this. Uh, we won't say that it's Nick Holt. We'll just pick up a random picture of Nick Holt who just looks like an intense bald guy. And I doubt it'll get, uh, it'll get processed. So yeah, I, um, yeah, we got to be able to get through signed, sealed and delivered the new head coach of the Verace Scorpions, Nicholas <laughs> Holt. Wow. That and could not- so is that the podcast? Do we call it there? Yeah. Or? yeah, it's been a great show, everybody. Um, I, a lot of you have been asking for shorter shows. So this is uh, this is our gift to you. So uh, see you Perfect. next week. Yep. Uh, well, that was great. And this whole other 45 minutes or so that we have is going to let you down um, from that. But uh, <laughs> let's get Scorpions jerseys. Like, How, how far can we go? Oh. This? <laughs> can we do Italian fans? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I'm I'm just like phased right now. I don't even know how to re- re- recover from this. Is this is fan- just such fantasy? such a unco- <laughs> We're a mess over this. <laughs> this news has just rocked us. <laughs> I am drunk now. Um, okay. I'm I'm looking at jerseys, but we'll we'll get we'll we'll figure that out after. Well, but share, let's actually share, talk about share a screen about uh, husky football. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, the goal for this episode was to uh, get you a little bit more ready for this upcoming season, and we have done nothing close to that. But um, we are going to break into our normal four downs for as long as we can compose ourselves. Uh, and the first one is some camp nuggets, some some little droppings that have been left uh, for us to consume uh, as we 
are trying to investigate how the hell this, this Husky football team is going to look in a couple of weeks uh, against Cal. That was just announced um, that that game will be on Saturday, November 7th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right back in Pac-12 after dark. Uh, oh, what yeah. are a couple things, or just give me one, one, one little nugget that you have uh, enjoyed or, or thought was interesting in the, uh, the pre-camp reports about these Huskies? Uh, well, I can't, I, I, whenever I'm reading, um, the various articles that come out and there's very little that we know about camp currently. Um, but what I do see, um, is that continuously, it seems like there's, there's players or coaches that keep talking about these young wide receivers, these yeah, true freshman wide receivers, um, specifically, Jalen McMillan or Roma Dunze, who who um, have been mentioned multiple times. Sean McGrew mentioned them. Kate Otten men- mentioned them, um, and that that's exciting because we lost quite a bit uh, from the wide receiving room uh, just through graduation last year to this year. Um, so you throw in the likes of a Dunze, who's six three two of five, um, highly regarded out of out of high school. Um, he can come in and he might, he might even be a returner. He was, he was, uh, I know practicing with the returners. I think, um, that was McDuffie and, um, I'm, I'm blank. Kyler Gordon, person. Kyler Gordon. Yeah. Thank you. But so a say is both, both athletic and, and, and agile in that regard, but I almost consider him to be a bigger kind of more of a wide receiver that can kind of run over some people. He's six three two oh five, so he definitely isn't lacking in the in the um, physical traits department. Uh, Jimmy Lake describes him as being tall, fast, and plays plays with a defensive mentality, which I thought is an interesting way to describe um, an offensive player. I think I think um, I think from what I've inferred, that means that when he receives criticism, he often uh, puts it back on whoever's criticizing him. So it'd be like, no, no, like you don't run hard enough. Um, that that's what I think what he said, defensive mentality. Makes sense. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's what that means. Um, yeah. but he's, he is, he's one of the, of the two, uh, wide receivers that I'm, that I mentioned here, Jalen Mc, McMillan being the other out of San Joaquin, uh, high school from the Fresno area. Um, he is, I believe the, maybe this, I mean, I think Savelle Smalls was rated higher than him, but he is one of the highest rated recruits that we've had in some time. He was rated 38 overall in the 2021 class on per 247.com. Um, um, he's a little bit smaller than Dunze, 6'1", 185. But from the few clips and highlights that we've seen out of this camp, he's been in a few of them uh, catching balls, um, being involved. And obviously, like I mentioned, he was um, getting some praise from both players, his teammates and coaches. So, those are two players that will have playing time at their disposal uh, in theory, at least this season and two players that I'm definitely excited to watch coming up. Nice nugget. Uh, you talking about uh, losing receivers to graduation uh, made me of course, think of Andre Bacellia, uh and my uh, departed son, uh, uh, Aaron Fuller, but um, Andre Bacellia obviously I think would probably be the number one overall pick in the Italian football league. Um, so is it possible <laughs> that Andre Bacellia, the Andre Bacellia v- Valeska Scorpions Jersey is the purchase we'd make? 
God, that would be amazing. And then like in four years, you buy a Sawyer Racconcelli jersey, Yep. Um, which obviously that's going to, you know, he'll go straight to the Italian second division for that type of name. So, is that, is that um, Siri A? Is it... <laughs> no, this would be Siri B, but um, I don't know if that's what they go with <laughs> for football. I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not really uh, well-versed in the football scene in Italy, and that would be American football scene, just to clarify. Yes. Um, um, well, I am now looking up best um, Italian American football players, and all of these guys are uh, old. Oh, Mike Adamley. NFL uh, Europe, NFL Europe guys, probably. Yep. Uh, there's a guy named Ping Bodhi who was a stud in the 20s. Uh, Teddy Bruschi, of <laughs> course. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Buffon, the the late great Nick Bonacani. Um, a lot of uh, Costanzo, Cefalo. Uh, wow. And Nick Holt, I think, is on that too. Joe now. Flacco. Joe Flacco might be. Uh, <laughs> that might be his next destination. Is uh, the Italian league? Um, Scorpion specifically. Larry Izzo. It says that Larry Izzo still plays. Vince Lombardi. Uh, this is great audio, right? This is um, what you can yeah. to, to to hear. Greg mm-hmm. Schiano, I'm, I'm sure, is on this list. Um, anyways, yeah, I need to focus. Well, uh, one of the other things that, um, I think are, are nugget worthy in, in our, uh, weeks that we've had up to, to camp so far is, uh, uh, first of all, I think it's kind of, um, a little bit going off brand and I'm not sure how it's going to work. Um, we'll probably have a talk about it in the, uh, post-show meeting here, but you not talking about a quarterback, uh, to start off first down is a little sacrilegious. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we're, we're getting back into the swing of things, but we're going to need, need the uh, consistency for our, for our listeners. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but the mystery of the quarterback situation has got to the point um, where it is now annoying um, where uh, I, first of all, I see no benefit right now to anybody for uh, the Huskies to announce who their quarterback is. Uh, but then we have these tweets from all the writers in the Seattle area saying uh, the update on the quarterbacks, they are quarterbacking or update on the quarterbacks. I don't know anything yet. And just like stupid coy stuff like that. It's just like, all right. Uh, I, I appreciate the fishing for the retweets, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fine to not have a quarterback by now, even though there will be hordes of idiots asking you on Twitter uh, what the, what the quarterback situation is as if the writer forgot to mention that in their, in their article. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, the, the, the team had announced that Um but it, it seems like it seems like Thompson is still the guy, but there's actually no real basis for saying that. Um, but uh, there's again, again, there's just no reason for them to, to to say who the quarterback is. If it is Thompson, and they announce it now. All that does is piss Sermon off and piss Morris off, um, and it lets Cal know that the guy that they're going to be going up against is mobile and experienced rather than uh, you know statuesque and, and new. Um, so we won't learn anything until probably next week about the quarterback situation. Yeah. I, I know that the, the Huskies played their, what they're calling their third preseason game this past weekend. Um, and they have a fourth and final quote unquote preseason game. I think sometime this week, maybe it's next weekend, but I would guess that we have, if they are going to announce it before the game, I would guess it happens after that fourth pre preseason game. Um, what I, I will echo the fact, though, that um, and I th- well, I think you would agree with this, that if we had to 
take a guess at who the starting quarterback will be, we think it's Thompson just based off of the very, very few um, like snippets of video and pictures that we've seen where um, Thompson seems to be throwing to or playing with the ones. Um, again, it's complete speculation and, um, you know, who knows, but if I had to guess uh, based on that, based on just what I know about the quarterbacks in general, my guess would be it's Thompson. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Thompson which frankly, I, that excites me, uh, given the selection. Um, I'm just nervous about what the fallout of that could and will be if they choose Thompson. That is, you know, when we talked about this in the last podcast, potential transferring away of someone like uh, Sermon, you know, mm-hmm. or Morris. Yeah. I, I, the tectonics with the UW quarterback room are, are super interesting. Um, I do think, though, that if Thompson is good enough to beat these guys out, then, you know, they're probably not good enough to beat out uh, Sam Heward in the year. And so that uh, might tell you everything you need to know and, you know, give those guys a chance to, to go make plays elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, Thompson, number seven, uh, in those clips, you see him wearing a shooting sleeve, which I think I think would be the first UW quarterback ever to wear a shooting sleeve, um, which, you know, is breaking new ground uh, in, in that sense. And, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a historic moment for the program. That's, that's Travis Coons leg tat level of uh, like, like suave right there. Yeah. We have the, we have the Jackson sermon cowboy collar. Um, that, that's another uh, apparel, uh, distinction Love that. on this team. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, Th- Thompson in the, the shooting sleeve is, is a new one. I hope it's Thompson. I've talked about this before his mobility playmaking, uh, style of play are, are really interesting and, and really like unique, like Jake Browning could move and, and liked to run. Uh, but Kevin Thompson, I think is a, a step up athletically um, and just Manzelian in, in how, how he seemed to play <laughs> at, at Sac state. Uh, I don't know if he was Manzelian and how he approached uh, the bar scene in, in Sacramento. Um, but, uh, but at least on the field, I, I liked what I saw. You're just saying that because of the sleeve now, I think. But um, I, I do have another I do have another nugget to throw in here. And Mike Varell today actually somewhat stole this thunder. Um, but <clears throat> that would be Cam Davis and how he factors into the rushing attack. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go back to the Google Sheet history if if need be. But I had this down before Varell's article this morning just for um, just to make that clear. But um, similar to similar to Richard Newton last year, kind of coming out out of out of nowhere and being in somewhat the lead back in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Varel speaks about this in the article today that that could very well be Cam Davis. Um, Davis is is probably the most well-rounded back that we have. Um, Newton is more of a downhill runner where McGrew is more of a scat back, you know, only being five, seven, one seventy five, I think. Um, Davis, uh, I don't have it written down, but I think he's six foot, uh, like maybe two Oh five. Nailed it. So he's kind of in, in between there. Um, so Lake has mentioned him a few times and just how excited he is about, about the potential of a breakout player, um, that Davis could be. He, if you, if you remember, he actually got the start in the bowl game. Right. Um, he also got the carry, a carry on the very first play. Um, his only other carry, though, last season was just a one carry against Oregon. So he's only had two carries, I think, for a total of seven yards. So it's not like he's bringing in much experience. 
Um, but having said that, that's just based on the the rumblings I've heard by by Keith Bonafa, the running back coach, and by Jimmy Lake, the head coach. Obviously, um, that's someone to keep an eye on too, to go along with Sean McGrew and uh, Richard Newton um, in the backfield. Kamari Pleasant's also there too, but I think Pleasant might be in that fourth spot at at the time currently. Yeah, I think uh, Kamari might be a, a pleasant surprise this year um, as a. Uh... Uh, a, a bigger back in that rotation. He, yeah, he, he is the biggest back. I think he's like 230. So he definitely yeah. brings that. Balloons nice... him to, to 224 pounds. Um, I just, I really just wanted to say pleasant surprise and I pulled mm-hmm. it off. So um, yeah, Cam Davis is, is an interesting guy. I think, I think that's, you know, fig dick energy uh, is, is the lead back there. Uh, but certainly a lot of McGrew, um, which is, is great. I think that's a good, good, uh, good combo there. As long as those guys can stay healthy. Uh, my nugget is that the most stable part of this team and the, the only real hard true piece of information we have uh, about any position group and how it'll work out uh, is the two deeps in the offensive line. And those have been basically out for the last week and a half. Uh, normally this type of stuff does not excite me at all. Uh, offensive line play is just, you know, it's, it's hard to, to pay attention to, but uh, left to right, left tackle Jackson Kirkland, who is a, uh, uh, big upside player, probably one of the Huskies' best linemen that they've had in the last really decade um, plus. Really strong player there, uh, and then uh, now named Ulumu Ale, uh, but before that was named what? Remind me. MJ. MJ, right? MJ Ale, yes, and he is like six seven three hundred large, um, large human, which is just astronomically big, um, but. Ulumu is the perfect name for, for that shape. Um, center Luke Wattenberg, who I think had, uh, uh, I think his, his debut in Husky history was filling in for Trey Adams in, in against Auburn a couple years ago, um, has obviously done a lot since then. Um, and then Henry Bainvalu, who may low key end up being Skyline's best, uh, college product, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, as, as the right guard, Spartan power, and then right tackle, Victor Kern, uh, Victor Kern, of course, um, had the, uh, a wonderful showing, uh, in the Triwizard cup and, uh, was a really <laughs> strong Quidditch player. Um, I forget for what school, but, uh, Victor Kern. Durmstrang. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Victor Crum, I think is who I'm remembering. Uh, but then, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the backups behind those guys have been set. I think the um, that is an area of newness, but strength for, for the team. Yeah. A couple of things to mention on those guys is um, Jackson Kirkland, um, who you mentioned is probably the most refined uh, player on this offensive line. He actually came in uh, or was recruited to eventually play this tackle position, but that just wasn't available given the fact that Trey Adams had that solidified for five or six years. So Kirkland moves over from guard to tackle uh, which makes a lot of sense given the fact he's our he's our best lineman, I would say. Um, and then in a kind of an additional um, new player in a new role setup, Wattenberg has traditionally played guard, but given the loss of Nick Harris to graduation, he slides into center with uh, with all that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so he will be taking over uh, the the role at center. Um, but yeah, it's it's I feel like. We've there's a on this offense. I, I just feel like we 
we aren't replacing as much as we normally have had in recent years. I don't know. Do you get that same feeling as well? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the guys that we lost on offense, right? Like obviously quarterback is a huge part of it. um, And that kind of makes everything else a wash. Um, But it just, (laughs) there was kind of a sour taste in the offense's mouth at the end of last year in as a whole. And so any sort of newness is almost, even if it's not, if it's a dip in talent, it's like if, if they can become, you know, a a 10% difference in, in um, effectiveness and output and in just terms of how excited you are about guys on their own, if it's in a better system, then the whole thing can be better. Um, So yeah, as as much newness as there is and and positions to fill, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it because like I said, the last year's offense just, it got reached a toxic state, uh, both on this podcast and, and in general. Yeah, agreed. And that's why we started basically every podcast with a quarterback position. Yeah, exactly. Like we always. Uh, another, <laughs> another new nugget, obviously in the, uh, the apparel world would be the debut of the, uh, uh, the Husky costumes that the, that we, uh, are calling alternate jerseys. Um, mm-hmm. last night, what, what were your immediate thoughts? I, I made mine uh, perfectly clear on Twitter. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't really like them. Uh, I think I would like them a lot more if they didn't have the gradient black to white situation going on on the sleeves and on the knees going to the socks. Um, if there, if there wasn't any of that, I would be much, it would be okay, but there isn't any really, really any gold on them. True. It's kind of weird to me. Um, given that that's just, you know, it's purple and gold. It's not black, white and gold accent or uh, purple accent. So um, I, I know I, if these stay as the alternates then that's fine. Uh, it is what it is. There's always going to be a game or two every season that we don't wear our kind of traditional colors. That's just the reality of college football these days. Um, but I just want to make sure that we always have at least somewhat of a traditional purple with especially gold helmet, um, as our home uniform, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's uh, it is funny. I mean, it's really a decade ago. Remember the the debut of the first black uniforms in, in program history, and it was that that Friday night, Thursday night game um, with uh, uh, Jake Locker against UCLA that they had to win to win the bowl game or make it to a bowl game. And those ones had the the gold helmet with the black, and it almost felt like they were army out there. Um, and boy, we have come a long way uh, in a lot of ways, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, these, these were coming at some point. People seem to be excited about them. I'm not necessarily. Uh, I'm also, you know, you just got to see them uh, on the field and that, that uh, will change everything. I mean, like LSU, right? Uh, people hate those purple jerseys because of the uh, lack of success that they've had in them. But I think that they look great. And so, you know, it's just kind of a, a connotation that you have um, with how they perform in the jersey rather than the jersey sure. itself. Um all right, let's move on to the to some freshmen. We we mentioned Roma Dunze, uh, second down here. Um, Savelle Smalls is also a name to, to obviously you've probably heard of already. Um, local products um, was it once once a five star prospect, kind of you know relegated to four star status. Um, article I was reading about him uh, in a in a video of him scoring a touchdown when he was in high school um, after he committed to UW uh, goes to the to the camera that was behind the end zone and just said, uh, tap in baby. And that's, that's great. Tap in. I don't know what it means. Uh, does, you know, does that mean like a tag team wrestling thing? No idea, <laughs> but, um, the, that's, that's a level of excitement that I can, I can get behind. And he has, 
uh, seemingly flashed and, and performed well and may have ro- uh, played his way into the rotation of, of pass rusher, which is a, a position of need for the Huskies. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, that's obviously a name. We mentioned Adunze and, and McMillan. Um, there's also, so I'm trying to think of a freshman that will potentially get playing time this year to, to point those out specifically. Um, I think that's the case for the three I just mentioned, but <clears throat> I think also at tight end, there's some opportunity for that as well. Yep. Uh, Mark Redman, 6'6", out of um, Corona Del Mar in California. Uh, he was a, a, a receiving option for also our new true freshman quarterback, um, Ethan Garbers. Um, so he's someone to watch. Uh, Jack Yeri, who's actually a USC legacy recruit, uh, he, meaning his father, um, Ron Yeri, uh, attended USC and actually won the Outland Trophy as a, the best, the nation's best lineman um, at the time. Uh, so it, Jack Yeri was committed to, to USC. And then he was, um, I, I forget, I forget the details on that, but he was released from that commitment and yeah. then he signed with us instead. So, um, we, you know, add him to the tight end kind of grouping there. Um, so that's, those are individuals to look for. And I don't think the, um, the, the other three true freshmen that kind of piqued my interest, although I don't think they're going to play, um, that much if at all this year but that those are the the offensive linemen that we signed which is arguably the best offensive line class recruiting class we've ever signed um gearing hatchet out of ferndale uh guard memolar out of caldwell idaho idaho and roger rosengarten out of um highland ranch colorado valor christian high school so those are three guys highly regarded coming out of high school um big bodies that that we'll use this year to kind of you know, fill out and, and they could definitely factor in and next starting next season or the following season or definitely seasons to come. Yes. The Huskies, uh, signed an offensive lineman named guard. Uh, it it's phenomenal. Um, really, really rooting and for he him. He probably will end up being a guard, uh, just looking at his kind of his physical stats, six, four. I feel like normally your linemen, your tackles are probably around six, five or six, six at least. I would be irate if he ended up as anything but a guard. Um, and I think yeah. if, if I were him, I would transfer. It's a part of my brand um, to, to be a guard. I am guard. Um, I guard, you know, the, those, those things are important to him uh, and should be to the, to the coaching staff too. Uh, another true freshman to keep your eye out for is uh, Jaden green. Um, this is uh, an interesting one. He is the long snapper. Um, he is number 89 and the way people are talking about him as is as if his long snaps are uh, shot out of a tank um, with with the speed with which people are talking about it. This kid has the best PR team of any long snapper I've ever seen. I don't know how he got so much attention, um, but he is a true freshman long snapper who the coaching staff is extremely excited about. Sounds like he's going to play for the next four years. Um, and, uh, is, is just drawing rave reviews. So watch out for that one. Um, it's going to be fun to see punts this year to just see this guy. Can I add to that? I'm reading his, uh, UW player bio or I was, and I, Oh, here we go. Um, according to the Coles scholarship camp, which is apparently a long scapping, long snapping camp. Um, of course, aware yeah. this. he, uh, first of all, he was the number three rated long snapper quick, in his class. Quick, quick question. Is it, is it like Coles, like K O H L they sponsor it? 
that's a great question. It is K-O-H-L. Uh, no, not sure if it's affiliated with the big box store, uh, that but that is a amazing good call out. Cole's the brand, like they're trying to get a bowl game or something, but all they could get was a long snapping camp. Um, I'm on their website and it's not affiliated with the, uh, with the store, um, Kohl's, but that would, that was a great connection or potential connection to check on. That's because the Kohl's PR team forgot to send the logo over. Otherwise they would put it on the website. Um, that is we're, we're good. We're, I, I, we're I covering a lot like mid midstream this, this, uh, I took a nap this before pod. this podcast and it, my brain is functioning in a whole different galaxy than normal. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as I was saying, he, uh, the number three rated long snapper, according to this camp in the country. Yeah. Speaking about like him snapping, like a missile coming out of there, uh, <laughs> I was very poorly phrased, but I think, you know, where I was getting at. Yeah. It says in his player bio, registered a 41 mile per hour snap and an average snap time of 0.65 seconds at the Coles camp. I do not know if that's good or bad, uh, but the fact that they listed it on the bio would lead me to believe that's very good. 41 miles per hour, uh, like a snap coming out at 41 miles per hour, that seems pretty fast to me. It's so uh, I'm excited. Is that fast? Like, it's kind of like... Uh... I mean, it's obviously like, I don't know how far is it away from, from the punter to the center? Seven, seven yards, I believe. Is it seven yards? Well, that's, that's for PhD. Oh, with the punter. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. It's probably more like 10. All right. We are going it's to not more real time football research and uh, we can, or the, uh, Google says about 15 yards. Okay. So 15 yards is 45 feet. Uh, a pitch to home plate is not, is 60 feet, six inches. Um mm-hmm. And where, where are you going with this? <laughs> well, well, cause, cause, uh, you know how it works in like little, the little league world series, how a kid will throw 70 and they'll be like, Oh that's, yeah. That's like is, the MLB equivalent. Right. Is that because of the, that's because of a shortened distance to, to home plate. Right. Or is that, no, that's different. I think that's also because it's like a 10 year old <laughs> versus like a 25 year old. <laughs> so I just, I just, I, I don't know if it's fast until I can, can, put it in the context of baseball, I guess. Um, yeah, we, this is obviously something we're going to need to do uh, our, some research on, but we will come back next pod with this information. You will, you will, so, yeah, we should, we should do a demo. Um, <laughs> see, <laughs> the speedometer, see, see if we can get a cop video to, pod. Yeah. See if we can get a cop to pull out the, the speed gun and help us out um, up at the, the Highlands fields or something. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah Jaden green, true freshman long snapper. Uh, keep an eye out because he's all we got. And it sounds like we got a good one. Uh, but to, to Roma Dunze for, for a quick second, um, first of all, out of Bishop Gorman high school, uh, that is why Mike Rice, the UW assistant men's basketball coach exists, right. Is to, to get people from Bishop Gorman. So we got Jamal Bay, who's Jamal, also from Bishop Gorman, Jamal Bay and Roma Dunze. So he has done I think, I think Edifon Ulafoshio is also from Bishop Gorman. Yes. So and he's going to be a vital cog in the UW defense this year. He sure is uh, every day. There you go. So Mike Rice is doing work across sports. Um, that Love is that. Hopefully he is uh, reimbursed by the athletic department for his time volunteered to, to football as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roma Dunze was <clears throat> featured in a uh, recent uh, Christian Capel uh, story in the athletic. 
he talked about um, how the University of Washington football team has, um, they pay a, a, a service called, um, I don't even know what the service is called, but they, the service spits out this number called the player athletic index for recruiting purposes. Uh, and it's a score from one to five that measures athleticism based off of how big someone is, how fast they run from their track scores. So um, it encourages high school football players to also run track so that they get accurate speed information uh, and then what position they play. Um, and that service had a Dunze as a 4.7 out of five uh, for reference. John Ross was a four. Uh, Reggie Williams was oh, wow. a five. Um, so that is not, no surprise. It seems like this one, uh, uh, rewards bigger, bulkier players, which Adunze certainly fits that mold. Um, but very interesting. And Dante Pettis was a 4.1, uh, and Puka Nakua was a 4.6. So, uh, all stupid, silly numbers that don't actually mean that the kid can play. Uh, but just in terms of, of, uh, athletic ability, Roma Dunze has got it. And I think that's why he is, uh, getting some run. Also looking at his YouTube bio, he won the state title in Nevada in the 200 meters. Uh, he won the four by 100 relay and he finished fourth in the hundred meters. So um, that's pretty good. A Jaden green snap versus a Roma Dunze sprint. What is faster? I, I, no, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't know. This is why we're going to actually have to, you know, do this in person. How hard are we going to laugh when the first Husky punt against Cal gets dropped by the punter because the snap was just too powerful. It'll be a laugh and then it'll be like, Oh gosh, we're, this is four years of this that we're having to deal with. He's too powerful. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well um, let's move on. Uh, We're moving at a brisk, not at all pace through this Uh, third down lingering questions about the team that don't have anything to do with the quarterback. Uh, you're going to see me disappear, Stan, but don't worry. I can still hear you. I'm just taking care of some business off screen as you answer. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Okay. Well, I think the first one to talk about is where does the pressure come from? Because we obviously have lost a lot on the edge when it comes to losing um, the likes of Joe Tryon, also losing Levi and Wizzerike in the interior of the defensive line. So uh, we need to replace that. And we've talked at length last season about how um, our D-line, even though those players are both highly regarded, that I just mentioned, um, struggled to get to the quarterback and actually, you know, cause some disruption in the in the backfield there for our opponents. Hashtag Havoc. So for Havoc. Mm-hmm. So first, first person that will hopefully shore up that loss is Ryan Bowman. He's definitely the most experienced out of out of the returning players in this area. Uh, 96 uh, career tackles, 23 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks uh, over his career. But then you also have some sort of new players that factor in. Um, Zion Tupatola Fatui is one of them. He played in 12 games last season, so he is experienced. Um, same with Laiatu Latu, also played in 12 games last season. He's uh, been given a lot of praise in the media lately um, based on his performance in camp. Um, so those are two people to keep an eye on. Um, we also have Jordan Lolohea, who just is now entering the program after taking a two-year LDS mission. Um, it sounds like he might be a season away from physically being ready to factor in this department, but uh, definitely has, from what I've read, uh, quite uh, a future in the in the pass rushing department specifically. 
Um, and then we mentioned Savelle Smalls already, but he's someone where that production could come from. And then a name to just kind of keep in mind is Braylon Trice, uh, 6'3", 240, uh, redshirt freshman out of Arizona. He had offers from Notre Dame, Alabama, USC, Oregon. So he definitely came in with the pedigree. Um, now the question is, is now that he's able to play, he's no longer redshirting, uh, how can he, can he actually, you know, first earn some playing time, but secondly, make a difference in the pass rushing department. Um, I think he is probably a third stringer right now, but just a name to keep in mind. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see where that production from a, from a pass rushing standpoint is going to come this season. Yep. That was, uh, that was my big one or my second big one, um, here was that there are 17 missing sacks from last year between, uh, Joe Tryon, Levi on Benning Potawai at, at all. Uh, the Huskies were 54th in football outsiders sack rate last year. Um, so that's obviously just number of sacks divided by uh, how many dropbacks the opponent had. Um, so 54th is, is certainly not any anywhere near elites and you are using, losing your elite players uh, in that regard. So that will be something that is absolutely essential for this Husky team uh, and has been over basically the course of our entire podcasting careers together uh, of their inability to create pressure. I mean, think about, uh, how they had to use Taylor Rapp in his last season as almost uh, as if he was Terrell Suggs with his pass rush because they just could not generate it elsewhere. Uh, had to move. Um, uh, goodness, I'm forgetting his name. He used to be uh, uh, a uh, <laughs> very imposing middle linebacker. Um, was dismissed from the or suspended by the program and then Azim Victor. Azim Victor, yes, they had to before uh, when he just had lost his spot in the middle to uh, Ben Burke Kirvin. Um, they had to even try him at defensive end because they just had nothing there to create pressure. Uh, the guys you mentioned are, are obviously the candidates to get it back, um, but 17 missing sacks is a lot for a group that we have questions and 17 sacks is not that is not even good enough right that number is really more like the huskies sure. should be creating 25 or 30 more sacks on top of what they had last year um minus those 17 and uh, without any clear people to do it uh, i think it might be problematic what what is sort of fun about this and i'm definitely thinking from a savelle small standpoint but just for everybody honestly is that nobody loses eligibility so you can try everybody yep at this and then if it works, you still bring everybody back in theory uh, with the same amount of eligibility the following season. So they can get creative here. They don't need to think about, you know, okay, has this player played four games already? Have they not? Things like that. So yep. it just makes it a lot easier in that regard this season. Yep, for sure. Uh, my other big question that I have here is what does John Donovan's offense actually look like? And there has been so many uh, vague adjectives. Your hands are way up in the air. I've got no idea uh, that have, adjectives that have been used to describe what the offense is going to look like whenever he's asked, whenever other people are asked. Uh, you know, he's downhill, aggressive, use of tight ends, multiple, uh, run the ball, smash mouth. Those mean nothing. Uh, what I do know is that none of those uh, descriptions do anything to ass uh, assure me as a, uh, you know, enlightened uh, offensive fan where th there's certain things that, that we know work in, in football at any level, uh, play action, use of motion, uh, and, uh, tempo speed, things like that. No idea if those are involved. Um, uh, but certainly by the descriptions, it doesn't really sound like it. And that's, 
uh, a little annoying because all of last season, all we were asking uh, with Bush Hamden is just more play action. It works. It does. It leads to really big plays. Uh, and we would get like two or three of them a game. Yeah. I, I frankly, I, I don't know much about John Donovan. I don't really know what to say in right now. Um, yeah. I just know that multiple is a term I've heard many, many times with him. Um, by I interpret that as being able to run and pass and um, sh- provide a lot of different kind of looks to to keep the defense on their toes. You're not going to get anything, or I don't believe you're going to get anything gimmicky like you know uh, air raid, a run and shoot, you know, an option attack. It's not. We're not going to be Georgia Tech out there. Um, I think I think you're just going to see probably a pro style offense, which is just going to be kind of the most. I don't. This sounds negative, but it's in some cases it's it's just going to be kind of generic. Generic can be good though. Generic can be effective. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I just think you're just going to see a lot of balanced uh, attack from the offensive side of the ball. Um, but again, I I frankly just don't know enough about John Donovan to really you know provide a, a complete you know opinion on this. I'm I'm just really intrigued to see what the first week's going to look like. Yeah, intrigued is one for, word for it. Scared or worried is, is another. Uh, I, I remain curious, um, but not quite optimistic. Cautiously about, optimistic. Yeah, about how that's uh, how yeah. that's going to look. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I could be pleasantly surprised. Um, that's it for me on questions. Any any big ones left for you? No. Um, yeah, I still I still <laughs> I don't know what John who John Don I barely know who John Donovan is, but yeah, that's. That's the main question. His I have, name I is easy to forget. Uh, John Don is kind of the the popular name. Um, there was that movie with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt called Don John a few years ago. So I might uh, make a, a fake movie poster with uh, John Donovan's face on it. Um, <laughs> uh, if John Donovan and Nick Holt were offensive and defensive coordinators, then the team would de- be double bald. Um, so that that would have been nice, but, you know. You have the Italian second division to blame for that. So let's hope John Donovan is not in the Italian second division in a, in a year or two. Um, yeah. Uh, it's fourth down, which means Jaden Green is coming onto the field and, and get your hands ready because a burner <laughs> is coming at you. Uh, what are you excited about for this season? You were just talking about this. What, one thing that is exciting to me is that all these players that we're talking about um, that are deep on the roster you will see them at some point because as you said, there is no reason not to play them with the eligibility concerns. Um, And so things that normally cause teams to hold back on playing guys and trying guys uh, will not be a thing this year, uh, which will be a a great experimentation lab for um, uh, pass rush for defensive backs, places where the Huskies are deep uh, receiver as well. Uh, running back as well, deep and um, curious as to what they have. And you can actually get those guys game time without burning eligibility. What's great is like you could run a guy out there for one play and that's not going to, you know, it's, that's not going to count as one full game yeah. as it would in the normal four game uh, redshirt situation. This mm-hmm. is unprecedented. Obviously we'll, I'm assuming we'll never see anything like this again. Um I, I hope, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very strange, um, but also exciting um, for, for me, one of the exciting things to, to move on to the second exciting, exciting thing about the season is the inside linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one of our biggest weaknesses last season, but 
I, I don't want to, I, I hope I'm not being naive by saying this, but I am optimistic that this could be potentially one of our strong, strong points in our, at least in our front seven. Um, but I've, I've just heard great things about the aforementioned Ula Foscio and then Jackson Sermon. Um, that's the, that's the dude with the cowboy collar. Cowboy collar. There we go. Um, I mean, he is from Brent Brentwood Academy in Tennessee, so it's kind of fitting in some respects. Sure. Um, but everything I've heard so far has been positive. Uh, Ula Foscio is a redshirt sophomore. He played in all 13 games last season. He started the final three games last season. Uh, where you it, you have Sermon, also redshirt sophomore. Again, they will be redshirt sophomore the year after, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Sermon played in all 13 games last season, didn't start any, but definitely got some good burn out there. So they come in with some experience. And then you have the likes of MJ DeFisi and Alfonso Tupatala as backups, uh, who each, uh, between those four, you have 47 combined game, uh, 47 games of experience combined. Um, and then just a couple names again, similar to Braylon Trice on on the uh, on the in the pass rushing department. But a couple names to keep in mind: uh, Josh Calvert, who's a retro retro freshman out of Oaks Christian High School. Uh, he got he was hurt last season, so he didn't have a chance to see the field at all. Uh, and then you have Daniel Haimuli, who's from Menlo Atherton, right in Stanford's backyard. Actually, both were five uh, four star top two hundred recruits two seasons ago. So um, definitely have the, at least from a valuation standpoint, have the ability to do some things on the football field, which is always a good thing that you like to hear when it comes to playing football. So, uh, <laughs> so those are some names that you might see uh, popping up uh, in the inside linebacking department. Yeah, I had on my list uh, linebackers who can run um, is as a nice, exciting thing to look forward to this year. And I don't necessarily know if that's something that we could have said last year. Um, some of the really guys turn who, the hips. Yeah, some of the guys who were playing last year um, <clears throat> were probably not Pac-12 players, and it showed, and it cost Huskies um, often in, in, especially in the passing game and in in, uh, in the middle of the field covering uh, receivers cutting across. They just couldn't do it. Uh, but guys, I get Ulof. I need I need the the stand pronunciation gun. Ulofoscio. Ulofoscio. Okay. It might actually be Ulo. I think it uh, is Ulofoscio. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll, and, I'll have to refer to the uh, pronunciation guide after this. <clears throat> yes. Uh, please please do. We need that straightened out by by next week. Um, yeah. uh, Eddie is is what we can all call him, um, and he mm -hmm. is great. He is phenomenal. Uh, the coaches love him. He's like the annoying six a.m. in the office guy uh just grinding tape when they say, they say grinding tape sounds kind of productive right like you, you want to maintain the tape you want to it, it's uh, <laughs> pristine digitally um, he's just throwing them out because yeah. we're using reels still in this scenario so he's just throwing out reels of film just so, something like a like a cheese grater to the to the tape uh mm -hmm. you know they get in there like eddie you can't do that we, we need that <laughs> um but anyways yeah uh Yulo Foscio, nice. live practice. We're working on it. Nice. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's he's wonderful. Uh, Tim Horn kickoffs is one I have here. Tim Horn, um, who is the the jacked um, uh, kickoff specialist that the Huskies have, just blasting kicks for the end zone. Can't wait for that. Uh, and uh, skill position guys on offense. I think uh, this this fivesome um, is a very interesting group. Uh, Kate Otten, uh, he of of no gloves. Uh, Fig Dick Energy, uh, Richard Newton, Puka Nakua, Ty Jones, and, and Terrell Bynum. Uh, if those five guys are healthy, 
I really, really like what the Huskies have uh, in that set there in terms of, of um, you know, guys who, who look the part and, and have experience dominating or playing really high levels. Um, recently, I think Bynum came on really strong at the end of last season. Pukunakua obviously had just flashes. If he's healthy, uh, that, that would be great. Same thing with Ty Jones, who remains a mystery. Uh, switched to number 88, but I just saw some, some uh, Twitter clips of him. He looked like a freak. Uh, 6'4", 220, um, was, was a, a, a touchdown machine as a, as a uh, redshirt freshman, I think, a couple years ago. Uh, and then just last season was really, really strange what was going on with him. Uh, but he's back and could be a major factor for this team. What's crazy about Ty Jones is he, if I, I think I'm doing this correctly, uh, this math correctly, but he has three years of eligibility left, even though yeah, it seems like he's been left. here forever. Yeah, exactly. So he's technically just a junior. Um, that obviously is frozen. So he'll the following season, he will also be a junior. Um, two names that weren't mentioned, and I'm still uh, on this bandwagon, but Marquis Spiker, Austin Osborne. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard Spiker's name at all so far through camp, but I have heard Osborne come up a couple times. So it's always good to see those guys, um, you know, still in the mix because they were highly regarded out of high school. Um, one thing that I think is worth noting, we lost – as you mentioned before, Aaron Fuller, Andre Bocelli, Chico McClasher, Quentin Pounce. Those four wide receivers, average height was 5'10". Mm. Of the two deeps coming into this year, our average height at wide receiver is 6'2". And that's also reflected in recent um, our recent wide receiver recruiting. I mentioned previously Adunze 6'3", McMillan 6'1". Obviously going for a taller um, type of mold when it comes to the wide receiving group. So something to keep in mind, um, it can't hurt. So uh, def that's, that's definitely something I'm excited about as well. Yeah, there was um, a, a something to, to I mean, not not that Aaron Fuller and, Bic I mean, Bocelli had a tough season last year, but, um, you know, Aaron Fuller was was productive, but he never felt like he should be your number one. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the issue that they ran into, I think, with him. is is not so much that he wasn't a great player or a good player, but just in the wrong role. Um, and so when a guy like Puka Nakua came on strong, um, it was because he was playing that down the field threat that, uh, that Aaron Fuller just couldn't be. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great group. Um, the, those, those freshman tight ends will be interesting to see how they play. Devin Culp is another name. Um, shouts out to, to Braden Underwood. I know you're listening. You, you had him as a, as a, a name to watch last year, but I think, um, just a little more seasoning from him will be great. Devin Culp, of course, his only claim to fame or, uh, the opposite of fame, would be the Utah drop on the fourth down last year. So let's uh, let's give Spokane's finest, G Prep's finest, a, a chance to redeem himself. Uh, I have as my last one that the Cal game, which we haven't talked too much specifically about Cal, but Cal, I have Cal as the Goldilocks op opponent, right? They are not a team that you feel like you. That's not just you're not going to beat them. It's not like you're playing. I don't know if that team even exists in the Pac-12, but um, you know that they, they are. Uh, at your weight or a little bit below it. Um, they are not an easy team. They're not Arizona. Uh, you know, it's on the road. I think it's one of those games where you are going to learn a lot about the Husky football team just through one week uh, in Pac-12 after dark. I think it's the perfect team to, to kick off this season against. You lose, you realize you're just not that good. You win, you're like, okay, let's, I think we're, we're ready for, for the next step, the Oregon and Stanford, right, as, as the, the next class of teams in the conference? Yeah, I think I mentioned it last pod, but um, 
I, th I think this Cal game is the most important game of the season in this, in the sense that it will, it will swing the season. If we win it, you know, you got three to four pretty easy or easier games coming up before Oregon. Um, you know, so I think, I think if you can win that game to start off, it will, it will go a long way. So um, we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the game, I'm sure. But yeah, that's definitely, I, I, I'm excited, obviously, for Husky football, but I'm also pretty nervous for that game too because Cal's a good team. I think um, if I take my purple shades off, um, I I think Cal is a better team as of right now, but that's also because they have the likes of uh, Chase Garbers at the helm. So, yeah, Garbers is tough because like he did beat the Huskies last year, but he wasn't. Six, extremely successful against the Huskies last year. Like his stat line from that game is pretty gross, but he just made big plays down the stretch and the Huskies didn't. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting game and, and one that will uh, bear, bear important results early. Um, so uh, I think it's, like I said, perfect way to start the season uh, to, to really see what we got here. Uh, much in the same way that Auburn was a couple a couple years ago. You, if you were good enough to beat Auburn, you're good enough to play in the playoffs. Uh, and if not, then you weren't. And that's exactly how it went down, uh, even though that team ended up making uh, – was that the Rose Bowl team? Yeah, it was, um, with uh, with that that uh, opener against against Auburn down in Atlanta. Um, do you want to do this this old, this rewatching old games question, or are we, are we going too long here? You tell me. You're, 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 you're the person who runs this. So <laughs> apparently, uh, my name's in the masthead. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we, we are going to debut this. We won't spend too much time on it. We'll just, just quickly okay. say what they are and then maybe a brief explanation. Uh, the, uh, we wanted to introduce, I think, I think you and I are, our, our talents are on full display when we get the chance to, uh, pontificate upon, uh, Husky seasons prior, uh, and to look back sometimes prognosticating talents. Talents is, are in quotations, just say no. Relative talents. Uh, we yeah. are uh, completely talking out of our ass most of the time, but when we can talk about things that actually already happened, we uh, have some competency. And so we <laughs> are instituting this section yet to be named. Uh, it's called banter question on the, on the, the, the outline uh, that does nothing to explain what it is, but just a, a question to, to talk about. Uh, and, and it'll always be two answers from either of us. This week's question, if you were to rewatch any two games from, from recent UW history, so like from the time we were born or so, uh, and you would want to have those games on YouTube so that you could watch them, what two games would you choose? What's your first choice here? So just to clarify, that would be basically anything in the, 90, the 90s going forward. Yes. Um, I think the, the obvious one in chime in if you disagree but the obvious one for me is the 2009 usc game just because you know given the circumstances with the going 0 12 the season before um i wrote in my notes though uh but i've watched that plenty of times because i'm a sick individual so that's why i actually have two more <laughs> to go with this yeah um because i feel like the 2009 usc option is just too easy Yes. Um, the next one is pretty easy too. Uh, it's a 2016 UW Oregon game, 70 to 21. That one's just more of like a therapeutic. Uh, I'm going to sit down and have some joy in my life for the next three hours um, for sure. So mm -hmm. that one's always good. Uh, the one that I dug a little bit deeper for this uh, was the 2000 UW Miami game. 
Okay. Uh, to remind you. Yep, exactly. To remind you, Miami came in. I think they were ranked fourth in the country. Um, we and there was a lot of talk about Santana Moss. You know, Santana Moss. He's the, he's the great new wide receiver. He's going to do. You know, we're going to be really hard to to cover. He ended up having one catch for seven yards in that game. UW won thirty four to twenty nine. Um, fun fact: Reggie Wayne played in that game. I think he went eight for like eighty four. So he had a good game. Santana Moss didn't. Uh, but that that catapulted us up the rankings uh, with that top five, top four victory. Um, so that's that's what I had. What did you have? Those those are great. Uh, I had two that revolve around interception returns, which are my favorite play in all of, all of football. Is is a pick six. Um, the first one was the 2009 home game against Arizona, uh, also known as the Immaculate Interception, with Mason Foster uh, picking the ball off of. Uh, I used to remember his name. Is it like Deshaun Tate for Arizona uh, off of his half oh, of his the, um, Yeah. Okay. Basically the, how, how the game was going. The Huskies Brandon were, Tate? Nah. Deshaun, okay. I think. Um, okay. The Huskies were playing okay on offense that game, but uh, the Nick Foles led Arizona Wildcats um, with, uh, I believe it was Rich Rod as, as their coach. Uh, we're just running bubble screens down the Huskies throats, like seriously eight plays in a row. They did not care. And they were picking up seven yards every single time. Uh, and so the Huskies or really just Mason Foster, uh, pressed the issue, forced the, uh, the, the Nick Foles to throw a pump fake before one, uh, and then, uh, ended up throwing a ball that went behind the receiver off the receiver's foot. Mason Foster scoops it off of the foot. Uh, people are like, Oh, that hit the ground. No chance. Don't, don't even talk to me about that. Uh, Mason Foster gets it and, uh, and scores. Uh, Jermaine Curse hauls in a two-point conversion right after that. Uh, Huskies go on to win in a game that felt impossible because they just could not stop Arizona that whole game uh, until uh, Mason Foster finally made it happen. And one of the best things about that game, if you were to rewatch it, and especially that moment, is the camera is just like yes. shaking because it's the old Husky Stadium, you know, camera well that didn't have seemingly any support whatsoever <laughs> so so you're you're getting nauseous as you're watching it on tv because it's just everything shaking from the from the crowd noise yeah that was the best the the cameraman always had tremors it appeared um as they were filming husky <laughs> games um yeah i didn't know what was going on all of a sudden uh, I, I was on that end zone on the opposite side from where uh from where foster scored and i had no idea that that was happening really until he was on like the 10 or 15 yard line with the ball uh, and then it was just like a, what, like freak out moment. And then the replays kind of helped, uh, piece the piece, the puzzle together. Uh, love that game. Love that team. That team ended up going five and seven, but that was, that was what hope felt like at that, at that we point. had fun in 2009, 2009 was a fun year, even though we went five and seven, it was, uh, starting out the, the LSU game, um, 31, 17, the Cavario Middleton scoring a touchdown at the end of that game was like this beacon of hope. Uh, that, that we could have a competent offense. 31-24. Let's give us some credit there. Oh, it was only an eight point eight or seven point loss. If I'm probably not mistaken. Co- probably covered a spread right there. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. The uh, my other one is a little bit more off the beaten path, but also a pick six game. Also for a team that didn't go to a bowl game. I think also five and seven. Uh, 2006 home against UCLA um, uh, Husky linebacker number 34 Dan Howell, one of my favorite players in program history. Uh, his father had just died uh, a week before, and he played in that game. 
uh, and picked off a Ben Olsen uh, pass, ran it down the sideline uh, to get the Huskies, I believe, to four and one that year. Uh, and this is before I think a, a, a Isaiah Stanback injury derailed that whole season. Uh, but any game, Stan, where Sonny Shackelford goes for nine, a buck 20, and two touchdowns is, is up there in my book. Uh, that was awesome. Like 13 year old me was ecstatic for weeks because of the results of that game. Yeah. You just threw out a lot of, uh, nostalgic names there. Dan Howell, the third Sonny Shackelford. If you, I mean, we were just really missing Anthony Russo there and I would have just gone wild, but, um, yeah, that we, it's funny. We, we started out four and one I'm looking at now and then we, then we got into conference play and lost six in a row. Um, but we did snap that losing streak by winning the Apple Cup to finish the season. So, yes. you know, in some cases, that that's all that matters. So. I think that was one of the, that was also the Apple Cup, maybe where Cody Ellis caught a ball off his shin. Do you remember that? Um, that would be a game where I'd like to end see. the game. Was uh, it? it was it was like late in the game. Oh, um, Cody Ellis. Yeah. I'm thinking of Kai Ellis, who did end the game off of a fumble or an interception in the Apple Cup. If I'm and not mistaken, talked about it on my podcast. Um, for that, that game. there you go perfect all roads lead back to kai ellis well that was great uh that didn't take us too long and we will do something similar every week um with a random question if you have questions for us um you know ask uh, we we don't have ideas until like three days before so uh we will, we will always do that if you want to revisit old stuff old players uh worst players <laughs> best players best coaches uh whatever italian football yeah um, uh, long snapping, whatever art you think we might, uh, have fun talking about, we will, we will do it. Um, all right. New segment as well. Pro dog of the week, a Husky that excelled, uh, in, in the national football league. Uh, I will go first. And this is actually from two weeks ago, but miles Gaskin 18 for 91, uh, for the dolphins. Uh, the fact that he is now the starting running back for the dolphins, uh, the team loves him. Coaches love him for all the same reasons we all did. Uh, Miles MFG is uh, just doing doing what he knows to do, which is to succeed, work hard, and kick ass. Yeah, he was one of mine too. Uh, Gaskin now has 340 yards on the season and a touchdown. So um, I'm not surprised, frankly. Um, I think the more surprising part about this is he's been given the opportunity. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot of chances where guys like him are just not given the opportunity and we never get to see them actually flourish in a position like this, but he's been handed that lead role back in Miami. And, um, he's, he's, I don't want to say run away with it because that's a horrendous pun, but he, he kind of has. So, um, was pretty happy to see Le'Veon Bell not go there. Uh, so we can continue this miles Gaskin train in South beach. Um, so yeah, he was, he was one of my, um, pro dogs of the week. I also put Byron Murphy and Buda Baker on there. This was, I wrote up these notes before this weekend's slate of games. So um, Byron Murphy, maybe, I, I don't know. I didn't watch the CX game super closely last night, but I don't know what Byron did, but I know Buda had a big game again with a, with 14 tackles and interception. Um, and then he was eaten by DK Metcalf. But um, so Buda continues to be huge this season for the Cardinals. So he's an, he's an obvious pick for pro dog of the week there. Yeah. Buda Baker has had a, a nice little glow up with uh, two primetime games in back-to-back weeks and, and great performances in both of them. Uh, Byron Murphy had a sack last night in a key possession uh, in overtime for, for the Cardinals um, and just generally looks 
great that game against the Cowboys. He was all over the ball um, and showing the amazing ball skills that he showed while he was at UW. Those are mine as well. Uh, all right, Great Cat, what do we got for, for this week? I had I had nothing. I put the New Jerseys. I don't actually hate them that much, but uh, that's about all I got. Not, not a lot of hate in my heart this week. Um, I have the Apple Cup potential kickoff times, which were – uh, so so conveniently provided to us, which are 4 o'clock or seven thirty. So a just a nice seven hour window that that could potentially be in. So thank you, Pac twelve, for providing schedule, us that information. You could schedule a, a cable appointment in that time too, and then uh, you know give you the same window. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another one that comes to mind. Speaking of scheduling, is. Um, we learned today that the UW game against Cal will be at 7.30. That's also the same time as the WSU-Oregon State game, which um, this is probably a little nitpicky, but I think is somewhat poor form when you have two coaches starting their head coaching um, you know, tenure at these, new, at these new programs and Rolovich at WSU, Lake at UW. Um, from a personal standpoint, I'm a little disappointed in that because I'm obviously going to be watching the UW game and not the WSU game. It would be interesting to see what the Cougs look like. Um, another, I apparently I'm, I'm very yeah. hateful this week, but uh, another one that I had was, or I'm more just kind of happy that this happened was Nebraska lost. And <laughs> I believe, I believe Iowa also lost. Yeah. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, to what I thought was a bad Purdue team. So um, if you remember in, in the previous podcast, I was annoyed with Big Ten parents, specifically Nebraska and Iowa parents. So um, you got your football back and you were quickly handed a 0-1 record. So those are my great cats of the week. Our, uh, our favorite college football uncle, Spencer Hall, did a, just a wonderful uh, hit piece on all 14 Big Ten teams ranked by how much they annoy him. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. It came out before last week, so there was um, not even fun Penn State stuff to talk about with that. But, uh, uh, yeah, Spencer, Spencer lit the torch on, on that annoying uh, conference um, that, you know, that Donald Trump got us back, right? It's, 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 yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's his, Unbelievable work. Yep. Um, his heroism restored football. Um, OKGs uh, of the week. I had Jake Hayner, who um, unfortunately lost his first start with Fresno State against Hawaii. Um, but the fact that he's starting and, and won that job, which was his goal when he left uh, the UW program, was to be able to play uh, and start at the Division One level. Uh, he received that opportunity. And as we're talking, Taylor Rapp just scored an interception against the Bears uh, on a Monday Night Football. Wow. Um, so okay. he received the energy that we are uh, – or emanating from this, from this podcast. Um, Jake Hamer, Hainer, a guy who uh, Christian Cable wrote a story about uh, in the athletic, about how, how many uh, players in the current UW team miss him and really appreciated him as a guy. Um, sounds like a really, really good dude. And, and uh, you know, I hope he hangs on to that job. He didn't, didn't look great, but um, you know, long season. Not at all. Not yeah, a long I, season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. First game and it's almost over. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I also had Hayner. Uh, like you said, unfortunately, didn't look great. So he went 17 for 31 for 289 yards and a touchdown. He did have three interceptions, though. So obviously not great there. Another one I had was Kate Otten for uh, getting engaged. So yeah. there you go. Good for that guy. Um so yeah, those are my OKGs. Pretty uh, was, quick was and the, simple. 
did the Kate Otten uh, engagement um, remind you of the Jared Stidham engagement and how staged it was? Did it have that similar vibes? Do we know? Did are you familiar with the engagement at all? Well, yeah, I, I think it was I got, at Snow Snow Falls. <laughs> I, I me Falls. But did it look staged? Like their photography was too nice. Uh, potentially, I'm not familiar with the Jarrett Stidham situation, so I can't necessarily comment. This, the Stidham one was the most staged I've ever seen. There were like rose petals on a on a deck, uh, and the only reason I know about it is because they they brought it up. Brian Greasy brought it up in the in the UW Auburn game a couple of years ago, um, and as as Jarrett Stidham was uh, not cooking us, but you know sl- slight roasting of, of the Husky defense. Um, That's the last thing I wanted to see. Um, Obviously, different perspective on on Kate Otten. I love Kate Otten. I don't like Jared Stidham, um, but I don't like post engagements. Sorry. What what if he um, what if he was like wearing gloves, like kind of in the backwards, like Ooh. to bring this full circle, thinking about number of teams and then calling it a different, you know, pack or the Big Ten, but it being yeah. fourteen teams or whatever. He doesn't wear gloves on the field, but what if he was wearing off the field? That would have been quite the quite the u-turn that would um, nice. or maybe that's just how he does it well yeah maybe he may yeah, maybe he wears gloves all the time except when he's on the field yeah these are the these are the answers that we need to find so we need to find out how good how fast is 40 miles an hour for for a long snap um yep. where we can get scorpions jerseys and uh how kate Auden treats his hands week to week that that I think you got it all. We got a list of things to report back on next week. We're on it. We got some some to dos, and we'll we'll circle <laughs> back on that one. Um, my another OKG of of this outside of the program, uh, Jalen Waddle, the uh, ph- phenomenal Alabama receiver. Uh, you may have heard those words used before on other guys. Uh, he is another one in that lineage. Uh, uh, will miss the rest of this season, which is really unfortunate. Was one of college football's best players. Another one for me, Christian Capel. I think I think I think I think is my favorite. Uh, UW athletic or UW football writer on the scene does a great job. He just wrote a story for the athletic 83 thoughts on 83 scholarship players um, and, and a pretty wow. good sizable chunk on every single Husky, um, which was nice and, and, and useful. Um, so subscribe to the athletic. If, uh, if you have not done so already and vote, vote before you subscribe to the athletic vote, you should yes. have voted by the start of this podcast. It's been so long that you probably could have walked to your local ballot place um, and got that done by the time we're done talking because we were long-winded today. <laughs> yes, please vote. It was that nap. It really wrecked me up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. Or honestly, it was just the it was the Italian football that completely threw us off. That is true. That was we needed to come to that realization now, not at the beginning, because I don't know about you, but I've been scattered-brained ever since that realization. Yeah, I. Um... I'm, I'm wired. I will. Um, I, I, I don't even know. I, it's you're at a loss for words. I think we, I think this is where we end the podcast because we just don't know what to say anymore. We, we lost people already, but uh, this is the actual end right here. Uh, Stanton, <laughs> thank you for, for doing this. Uh, good stuff this week. We will do probably one more um, as, as we get uh, poised for actual game week, maybe even talk about Cal a little, um, but we'll see. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Go dogs. <laughs> there we go. Go dogs. Uh, <laughs> see you, buddy. Enjoy that new desk. And he's gone. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>